we are going to begin a brand new series uh, entitled One Word. And uh, we're going to talk about this month through the month of January really how one word from God really does have the potential and the power really to change our lives. And that literally one word from heaven uh, can do unbelievable things in our lives as far as bringing focus, clarity, and direction and uh, really allowing God to speak and to work and to move in our lives. I was talking with our 8 o'clock service this morning, and I said, you know, I, I guess if, uh, if, I had, uh, if I were to find that magic genie bottle and I had that one magic wish, you know, uh, there's probably a lot of things I would wish for, but there would be one thing I really desire for the body of Christ, and that is I would love to see the body of Christ fall in love with the Word of God. And that if people could begin to hunger and thirst for Scripture and people could begin to cultivate a really a daily walk with God through His Word, I believe the repercussions of that one decision uh, could have such a positive impact on our world that if believers would just begin to learn how to spend time in the Word of God. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how God's Word really does speak to us and how God speaks through His Word. He speaks by the Holy Spirit. He speaks through people and uh, how that when we begin to receive the Word of the Lord, how that God really does begin to change our lives. And so this morning, Psalms 119 is our foundational scripture and we're going to start in verse 130 and uh, we're going to read this together and, uh, and just really just talk through some exciting things from the Word of the Lord. The Psalms it says this, he says, the entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. For I opened my mouth and I panted, for I longed for your commandments. Look upon me and be merciful to me as your custom is toward those who love your name. Direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity have dominion over me. Redeem me from the oppression of man that I may keep your precepts and make your face shine upon your servant, and teach me your statues. So let's look at our first point on your outline, and that's simply this. And that is that one word from God really does change everything. If you think about your life, and again, if you've been a believer for any amount of time, you've probably had God speak to you, or you've heard a word, whether it was a sermon, or whether it was a song, or whether it was something out of your quiet time, that God used to speak into your life, and all of a sudden, that one word began to change everything. As a matter of fact, if you think about the fact that we're sitting here in Arab, Alabama, in a place called Liberty Church, we are here today because of a word from God, right? Over 18 years ago, God spoke to our hearts and God gave us a vision and a challenge to start Liberty Church. And God spoke to us from 1 Samuel 22-2 and God gave us a revelation that we were to be a church that would reach the people nobody else wanted to reach, that would do the things nobody else wanted to do, that would go the places nobody else wanted to go, and that He would do unbelievable, astounding things as we would just begin to live out the life of the gospel. And you and I are here today because of a word from God. Right, God spoke, amen, and God in my spoke, and God's word began to impact, and literally just changed everything. I remember, uh, literally in my in my private time with the Lord, my quiet time with God, when the Lord began to just deposit this vision for Liberty Church in my life, how that my world began to radically change. I grew up in a Baptist church. I pastored a Methodist church. 
for six years and then God called me to start a spirit-filled church that would focus on reaching people with the hope of the gospel and, and really just tear down denominational walls and focus on Jesus crucified, resurrected, and the hope of the gospel that we have in Him. And all of a sudden, everything in our lives began to immediately change, right? And we began to experience a transformation that only happens when God speaks into our lives. And the great thing about that is, how many of you know God doesn't just speak to preachers? Right? God speaks to His people, right? You are the people of God, and God longs and desires to speak to you. One of the greatest tragedies I hear in the body of Christ is that I meet Christians who are not consistently hearing the Word of the Lord. They're not consistently hearing from God. And I believe, and we're going to see over the next few weeks, I believe that the reason that many Christians are not consistently hearing from God is because they do not have a consistent life in the Word. And God's Word becomes an absent thing from their life. And because there is an absentee uh, presence of God's Word, there is a struggle in many people's lives to clearly hear the voice of God. And so we're going to see some exciting things, and we're going to talk about today really why God's Word is significant and important, and, and really a couple things, kind of some prerequisites for you and I really beginning to receive from the Word of God. So let's, let's look at the next point on your outline. The entrance, according to Scripture, the entrance of God's Word gives us, according to Psalms 119, five things I want to talk about this morning. The entrance of God's Word gives light, it gives understanding, it gives direction, it gives dominion, and it gives redemption. And then I just put at the end of this, and every good thing that your heart could ever imagine. As a matter of fact, for every need, there is a seed called the Word of God. When you have a need, read the Bible, you a seed, right? God gives you a word to meet your need. It's amazing when you read the Bible, when the children of Israel were living under 400 years of oppression, God gave Moses a word, right? When Joshua was getting ready to take over the leadership of a nation of millions of people, God gave Joshua a word. When the king was trying to kill Elijah, God gave Elijah a word. I mean, think about it. When God was about to destroy the earth, with a flood, God gave Noah a word. When the nation of Israel was needing a king, God gave Samuel a word and told him who to anoint to be the next king. I mean, think about it. All through Scripture, when God wanted to move mightily in the lives of people, God gave a word. In the New Testament, when Lazarus was dead and his sisters were crying and complaining that Jesus was not there, Jesus just spoke a word. When the winds and the waves were raging on the sea and the disciples were fearful for their life, Jesus spoke a word. Right? I mean, think about it. When, when Jesus was walking on the water and Peter wanted to walk on the water with him, Jesus gave Peter a word. 
I mean, just think about it. Every time somebody needed a miracle, every time somebody needed a breakthrough, every time somebody needed deliverance, every time somebody needed something that they could not accomplish on their own, God gave them a word. And over and over and over through Scripture, you find out that when man had a need, God had a word. And man had a need, and God had a word. And man had a need, and God had a word. And so, when you come before God with a need, guess what He's going to give you? A word. And you know what a word does? A word from God changes everything. It changes everything. And in Psalms 119, the Bible gives us five things I just kind of want to extract from the Scripture. There are 5,000, 5 million things you could pull from the Word of God. But I want to give you five things that we've just identified here that Psalms 119 kind of clarifies that God uses His Word to do. The Bible says, number one, the entrance of the Word. The entrance. Y'all say entrance. How many know God's Word has to enter your heart? It has to enter your life. Man, I wish that you could just lay down at night and put the Bible in your nightstand and wake up tomorrow morning and know all that was in it. When I was a kid, I loved basketball. and So my dad told me, he said, well, if you, if you really want to be good at basketball, you need to keep a basketball with you all the time. You need to dribble. You need to practice. And so I literally, I remember being a teenage boy sleeping with my basketball. I was thinking somehow, you know, osmosis would happen overnight and I would turn into Michael Jordan and it would be amazing. Well, it didn't happen with my basketball, and it won't happen with your Bible, right? You can't sleep with it and somehow get it. You can't lay it on the nightstand, the bookcase, or the end table, and somehow magically expect that the revelation, the truth, the life, the power of God's Word is somehow going to enter your life. You actually have to give place to the Word because it is the entrance of the Word, the Bible says, number one, that gives light. L-I-G-H-T, light. Think about that for just a minute. How many times have we been in darkness? Have you ever been in that place where you just didn't know what to do? I mean, you kind of knew what was happening. You kind of had an idea of the circumstances, but the reality was you really didn't know what to do or you couldn't see clearly what next step to take and God, that I know to do God what do I do to do go and I've kind of walked as far as I know to walk and I'm doing everything that I know to do God what do I do next what if the answer to that question was in the Bible what if the entrance of God's word would begin to give light to you and God through his word would begin to illuminate your darkness I mean, think about it. How many times in your life, I know I can look back on my life, Kelly and I can look over our life, over our family, and I cannot tell you how many times God's Word illuminated the darkness. We didn't know what to do. We didn't know where to turn. We didn't know what the next step was going to be. And all of a sudden, God spoke through His Word, and through His Word, He brought light to our darkness. Maybe you're in a dark place today. Maybe you're in a place today and everybody's talking about New Year's resolutions and brand new starts and new beginnings and you're just like trying to say, I don't even know where I'm at. I don't have a clue where I'm at. I don't know what to do next and I'm really confused. Life just don't make sense. I don't know what to do. Let me just tell you something. The answer 
to your need and your dilemma and your darkness is the Word of God. God's Word brings light. I'll never forget, we were uh, pastoring our first church. We pastored a little Methodist church uh, for six years. And, and that last year that we were there, six months into that journey, the Lord spoke to us, gave us a vision for liberty, as I shared a moment ago. And <clears throat> we were in a dilemma in that, in that we were preparing to take the steps God had called us to take. But we were living in the church parsonage, and so we had a place back in Coleman, and, and we had a trailer that we lived in there, and so we were praying, God, what do we need to do? And so we started looking at our options, and we said, well, you know what? We could, we could build us a house. That'd be fun, right? We were young, and we could build us a house. And so we started praying. Here was our prayer. God, do we need to build a house, or do we need to buy a house? What do we need to do? That was our prayer. And I remember one day in my quiet time, and I couldn't find it for you right now, but I was, I was reading the Bible one day in my quiet time as I was praying that prayer. That, was, that had been a prayer that Kelly and I were praying. God, do we build a house? Do we buy a house? And in my quiet time, I was reading a scripture, and I believe it was in the book of Ezekiel. And as I was reading, and God was speaking to a specific group of people that were going in to inhabit a land. And God said this to the people, you shall not build a house. And you're like, well, Pastor Keith, that wasn't for you. That was God's word for somebody else. No, that was God's word for me. Because when I read it, the Holy Spirit illuminated. It jumped off the pages of Scripture, and God said, this is your word. And you know what? I knew. There was no doubt. I told Kelly, we ain't going to build a house. Well, why ain't we gonna? well, because Ezekiel says, right, don't build a house. But you know what? She knew it was God. I knew it was God. Why? Because God brings light to the darkness. When you don't know what to do, pray, and you can't see the next step that you need to take, if you will not only pray, but if you will begin to read the Word of God, God's Word gives light. And as a matter of fact, a lot of people get in trouble because they pray without the Word. I decided next year we're going to call this thing 21 Days of Prayer, Fasting, and the Word. Because if you pray and fast without the Word, you're going to be very susceptible to deception. Because this is what happens. We want to pray about things that God has already told us what to do. How many of you know God's very clear on a lot of stuff in here? I mean, there are some things that God says is wrong. And there are some things that God says is right. And all the prayer that you can pray doesn't change that. But a lot of times we want to pray about things that God's already spoken about. And we get in trouble, right, because we're trying to convince God to make us the exception to the rule. God says it's wrong, so it's wrong, right? If you have offense in your heart, you don't have to pray about what to do with your offense. God says forgive them. Every time. Not once does God say it's okay to hold bitterness and resentment in your heart toward another person. Never. And you're like praying, God, Lord, what do I do with this offense? God, I'm so hurt. God, I'm so angry. God, I'm so bitter. God, I'm so mad. What do I need to do? And God says, forgive me. You're like, no, God, what do I need to do? Right? And the reality is, is we get in really we get in a lot of trouble when we do begin to pray without the word because God's word brings light. God's word also brings understanding. The next part of that verse said, the entrance of thy word brings light and it gives understanding to the simple. 
Sometimes God's word will bring clarity, but then I can see clearly, but sometimes I still, even when I can see clearly, sometimes I still need instruction on what to do with what I now see. Right, because when you're in the dark, you just can't see anything. And all of a sudden, God turns on the light, and you can see, and now you're like, oh my gosh, what do I do with it? We've told our kids. Right? I mean, we, we, a good illustration is our family, as we've raised our kids, we've told our kids when they were growing up, be sure your sin will find you out. That's the Bible. There's nothing you will do that we won't find out about. It will eventually come out. We pray, God, bring it to the light. And bring it quickly, God. Bring it quickly. Right? As fast as you can. God, in my life, we pray it over ourselves. We pray it over this church. We pray it over our children. God, bring it to the light. And he does. And sometimes, as we were raising our kids, God would bring things to the light. We knew there was something going on, but we really didn't know what it was. And all of a sudden, like, bam, here it is. And you're like, okay, now what do we do with that? Well, God's Word not only brings light to darkness, but it also gives you instruction. And God will give you instruction on how to deal with what you now see. See, because until you see it, you can't deal with it. Let me say that again. Until you see it, you can't deal with it. But once you see it, you can now begin to deal with it. And the Word of God brings instruction and understanding so you can now begin to understand, God, how do I process this? How do I deal with this? How do I approach this? And sometimes God says, hit it head on. And sometimes God says, pray about it. And sometimes God says, let's go at it from this direction. And sometimes God says, just, just let it be for just a moment. I'm going to bring it into this thing. But whatever it is, when you begin to go to the, go to the God, go to the Word of God for understanding, God will give you understanding. And not only will he give you understanding, the next little point is direction. Psalms 119 goes on there and says, direct me according to your word. Direct me according to your word. This is what I found out. I found out that the more time you spend in the word, the less time you have to pray about a lot of stuff. What do I mean by that? I said it just a moment ago. God's word has already spoken clearly about a lot of things. I'll have people come up to me and say, Pastor Keith, will you pray with me about this? I'll say, what is it? And they'll tell me what it is. And I'm like, I don't, we don't have to pray. We don't have to pray about that. God has already said this is what we need to do. God has already spoken. Direct me according to your word. You know what happens when we allow the word of God to consistently come into our lives? God's word brings direction. It will direct your steps. And how many of you understand it is your direction, not your intention, that determines the outcome of your life. We all have good intentions, right? We intended to do the right thing. We intended to love people. We intended to forgive people. But somehow along the way, our intentions and our directions got confused. And we ended up in a place we didn't want to end up in. Why? Not because our intentions weren't right, but because our direction was wrong. What would happen if we just began to allow God's Word to set the direction of our life? That's what God's Word does. I mean, think about how many decisions we make out to the darkness. God's Word gives us understanding. God's Word gives us direction. I mean, think about how many decisions we make every day. And think about how challenging it is sometimes just to make the right decision. But many times, if we would just spend time in the Word and in prayer, God would speak by His Spirit through His Word, and He would give us clear direction on what we need to do in our lives. The, the, the fourth thing 
is not only direction, but he also gives us dominion. The, the scripture there said in Psalms 119, it, it said, let, let me just read it to you. 133, direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity have dominion over me. The word iniquity is, is the word that really describes our sin nature. It's that nature in me. It's that carnal nature in me that desires to follow the flesh instead of follow the spirit. How many of you know that when you got born again, you got a new nature? But how many of you also know that old nature wants to resurrect itself? Right? I mean, just this morning, I was going through McDonald's and I, I, I bought me a sausage McMuffin. And I thought, this is going to be my last sausage McMuffin for 21 days. And then my mind began to think, how can I get around that? <laughs> See, there's a sin nature in us. There's this thing that rises up in us that wants to do our own thing, that wants to go in opposition to the Word of God, the will of God, the plan of God. And here's what the Bible says. David prayed and he cried out. He said, God, direct me by your Word and let no iniquity have dominion over me. I believe this. I believe God's Word gives us dominion over our carnal nature. David said it this way in another place in the Psalms, Psalms 119 also. He said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. See, the reality is, is your victory over your carnal nature is found in the word of God. I can't tell you how many people I've seen reject the word and live defeated lives. Because they never get victory over that iniquity, that sin nature in them. They never get victory over it because they reject the word of God that wants to bring them victory over their sin nature. Let me give you a good example. Had a, had a, a friend of mine, a good, a good man, had a great heart. Came through, celebrate recovery, came through the sunshine house. And he was an alcoholic. And as long as he was in the program, he was doing really good. But when you would talk to him, he would always tell you, you know, I, I think it's still okay for me to drink. And three weeks after he graduated from the program, he was an alcoholic again. Took him three weeks for his sin nature to get victory over him again. How come his sin nature still had dominion over him? Because he rejected the word that says wine is a mocker. And whoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Whoever is deceived. When you are deceived by sin, you're going to fall to it every single time. Wine is a mocker and he is to whoever is deceived thereby is not wise. As long as you buy the lie that you can play with sin and be okay, you're going to continually be dominated by sin. Thy word. But if you allow the word to take interest into your heart, you know what will happen? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. All of a sudden, the word of God gives you victory and dominion over that sin nature that wants to go out there and get drunk again or go out there and get high again or go out there and do whatever it was that you were doing before you came to Jesus. But if you reject the word, you know what will happen? You'll stay bound in 
your sin. Bitterness, resentment. Kelly lived a 10-year battle of severe depression because she refused to forgive her dad because he had abused her as a child. And that unforgiveness and that bitterness, she justified it because of the horrible things that he did to her as a child. And it was justifying sin that caused her to reject the word that caused her to stay bound for 10 years of severe depression to the point that she attempted suicide many times and almost took her life. Here's the reality, guys. When you reject the word, you reject your freedom from sin. When you receive the word, you receive victory and dominion over sin. Right? The moment you receive it and embrace it and make it your own, you'll find out there is an empowerment of the Holy Spirit to walk in victory over that thing that once controlled and dominated and dictated your life. God's Word is powerful. And when we receive His Word, it brings freedom. Right? Jesus said it this way, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you the last thing is the word to redeem or redemption when the word of God enters our life it brings redemption I want, I want to read this to you verse 30, 134 Psalms 119 the Psalms it says redeem me from the oppression of man that I may keep your precepts redeem me the word redeem here literally means to cut loose the word oppression means to force or to intimidate by force. The Holy Spirit gave me a, uh, I want to give you a modern word of oppression. Instead of the oppression of men, I want you to think about it this way. Lord, deliver me from the peer pressure of man. Because peer pressure is oppression. It's when people try to force you into a mold, an idea, an image, right? And all of a sudden, there is this oppression from man. There is this peer pressure that causes us that when we get around this group of people, we act this way. When we get around this group of people, we act this way. When we get around this group of people, we act this way. Why? Because we all want to fit in. We all want to be loved. We all want to be accepted. We all want people to like us, love us, and embrace us. Let me just tell you, God put that in. There is a natural God-given desire in all of us to be loved. God put that in you. You desire and I desire to be loved and accepted. That comes from God. But Satan perverts it through insecurity. See, through insecurity, we become so insecure that that desire to be loved and accepted becomes perverted to the point that we compromise who we are. We compromise the Word of God. We compromise... uh, the standards that we have chosen to live by in order to fit in and be accepted by the people that are around us. And all of a sudden, we live under this oppression of people where there's this peer pressure to look this way and act this way and talk this way and behave this way. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves like chameleons changing every time we get in a different group of people because we want to fit in. Why do we want to fit in? Because we are so insecure, we don't know who we are in Christ. See, I want to give you just a little simple statement the Lord gave to me. He said, Keith, 
He said, when you understand your identity, it frees you from insecurity. When you understand your identity, when you know who you are in Christ, how do you find out who you are in Christ? You read the Bible. You begin to spend time at the feet of Jesus. You begin to allow prayer, worship, and the Word to become a part of your life. And all of a sudden, you begin to understand who you are. You begin to understand that you are loved and accepted regardless of what they say or do. Right? They don't validate you any longer. You are validated by your identity in Christ. And if you don't know who you are, if you're not secure in your identity, you will constantly struggle with insecurity and you will find yourself, and this is what happens, right? Because we're we're good people. And we will compromise who we are to fit in with the people that we want to love and accept us. And then we walk away and we feel horrible and we beat ourselves up. Why did I do that? Why did I act that way? Why did I say that? Why why did I even go there? And what we don't realize is that much of that insecurity is the result of our lack of identity. We don't know who we are. And because I don't have my identity in Christ, I'm constantly trying to find validation and acceptance and love by the people around me. And because of that, I live under the oppression of people. When I started pastoring, you guys have heard me say this, I was a people pleaser from the word go. I could never stand to tell anybody no because I wanted everybody to like me and I wanted everybody to want to come to our church and, and I wanted to be that guy that people liked. And, and I realized a long time ago, that's a horrible way to live your life. When you live under that mentality of being a people pleaser where you want to make everybody happy regardless of the cost, You end up compromising the things you shouldn't compromise. And you end up saying yes to things you shouldn't say yes to. And no, you never say no to anything, right? And I remember the first day I told somebody no. It was wonderful. (laughs) The Bible says the entrance of God's word, it brings light, it brings understanding, it brings direction. It brings dominion, it brings redemption, and every good thing that your heart could imagine. I heard a, a story years ago uh, of a motivational speaker. This guy was very known. He, was, he traveled the world as, as kind of a motivational success speaker. He was a Christian man. He loved Jesus. And, and one day he was eating in a restaurant, and uh, the waiter recognized him. He said, Hey, I, I just want you to know I've been listening to, to, your, uh, to your CDs, your information, and, and man, I'm on a path to change my life, and I'm really excited about what's ahead of me. And He said, I was just wondering if, if you had one book that you could recommend for me to read. He said, would, would you mind or give me a good recommendation? And the guy said, well, I'll tell you what. He said, there's actually one book that I get all of my success secrets from. One book. The guy said, oh, my God. He was blown away. He couldn't believe it. He said, well, hang on. He went and got his pen, got his paper. He said, what's the name of it? I will write it down. What's the name of that book? And he said, Holy Bible. (laughs) Guy said, what? Holy Bible. No, really, what's the name of that book? Holy Bible. The greatest success manual ever written and it goes unread in most of our homes most of our lives and in most places 
Somehow we think there's another way, but you know what? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And no man comes to the Father but by me. Man, the entrance of God's word gives us every success could ever imagine. The secret to your success is found in the Bible. Amen. And let me give you two other thoughts, and we're going to wrap up this morning. Two significant things I want you to see. If you look at that next point on your outline, before we can receive from the Word of God, we have to receive the Word of God. And this happens two ways. Number one, the first way this happens is first we have to receive Jesus. How many know Jesus is the living Word of God? He is the living Word. And we have to receive Jesus as the living Word of God, and we have to receive Him as our Lord and our Savior. I want you to look with me in John chapter 1. It says, In the beginning the Word already existed, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And this is speaking of Jesus. And He existed in the beginning with God. And God created everything through Him, And nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created. And let's stop here for just a second. And His life brought light to everyone. Look look at this statement right here. God created everything through Him, through Jesus, through the Word. And nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created. And His life brought light to everyone. Everything that was created was created by the Word. Right, Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says in the beginning, God said, right? God spoke into existence the world in which we live. The creative power of heaven is manifested through the Word. And Jesus is the living Word of God. If you don't accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you'll never experience the power of the Word of God because He is the living Word. And everything was given life through him. And his life brought light to everyone. Look at the next verse. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And he, Jesus, came into the very world he created. Look at this. But the world didn't recognize him. Let me, let me tell you what will happen. I'll tell you what, let's read one more verse. Let's read verse 11. I want to talk about 10 and 11. Let's back up verse 11. Actually, I think it's not on the screen, is it? I'm going to read it to you. That's fine. I noticed that late in my notes. He came into the world he created, but the world did not recognize him. Verse 11 says, And he came to his own people, and even they rejected him. Let me just say this to you. Without the living word, Jesus being the Lord and Savior of your life, you will constantly reject and be unable to receive the written word of God. I meet people all the time that say, Pastor Keith, the Bible is just so confusing, I can't understand it. 
And then I meet Christians that say, the Bible is so confusing, I can't understand it. And these are people that have college degrees, they're educated, they're smart, they're running businesses, and they're like, I just can't understand the Bible. Let me just say this to you. Without the living word, you'll never be able to understand the written word. It is the living word that gives life. It is the living word that brings light. It is the living word that enables you and empowers you to understand scripture and discern the will of God. Now, let me just say to you, I don't understand all the Bible. There's a lot I don't know. I am not a Bible scholar. I am a student of scripture, and I love the word of God, and I am learning and growing every day. But there is so much that I still don't No, but I want to say to you this, that when I accepted Jesus Christ, something happened in my life where God turned the light on, right? And all of a sudden, at age 15, a book that was totally irrelevant to my life, all of a sudden became real. Now, I wish I could have said at age 15, I was on fire for Jesus, and I was radical for God, and I loved the word of the Lord, but that wasn't me. At age 15, I got saved. I was glad I was saved. I told my friends I was saved, but that was about the gist of my Christianity. I lived a moral Christian life, but there was no real fire or vigor in me until I turned 19 years old and I opened the Bible and I said, God, I want to know you. And when I said, God, I want to know you, and I opened the Bible, all of a sudden, the Bible began to speak and God began to reveal himself and my life changed all because of the Word of God that now became illuminated through Jesus the Living Word you cannot rightly divide Scripture unless Jesus is Lord of your life let me give you a good example of that several years ago I used to sell carpet worked at Walker's in Bailenton and there was a guy, his name was Daryl. Daryl was, was a good old boy. He was a hippie from the 60s. And, and he, he's just one of those, he was a fun guy to talk to. And, and uh, I'd been witnessing to Daryl and talking to Daryl and inviting Daryl to church. And, and one day uh, in my conversation with Daryl, Daryl said, well, you know, Keith, he said, uh, he said every morning I, I, I spend about two hours reading. I said, really? I said, what do you read for two hours every morning? He said, oh, I read the Bible every day for two hours. I was like, man, that's amazing, Daryl. I said, that's, a, that's pretty astounding. I said, well, let me ask you this. I said, what, what have you come to understand about God through your two hours of reading the Bible every day? He said, well, I've come to realize that there is no hell, that God is love, and everybody's going to heaven. So it don't really matter how you live your life. That was his revelation. Now, if you have read the Bible <laughs> and you are a Christian, You understand those things are not true other than the fact that God is love. (laughs) He got that one right. But there is a hell, and people are going there, and everybody doesn't go to heaven, and it does matter how you live your life. But here's a guy who read the Bible two hours a day, more than most Christians will ever read the Bible their entire life. He read it two hours a day, had been doing that for many years, he said, and he had no real revelation of what the Bible said. Why? Because unless Jesus is Lord of your life, if the living word doesn't live in you, then the written word will never make sense. And it will ultimately then, this is what happens, it will ultimately then become a tool of deception instead of a tool of revelation. Because the enemy will take the scripture and twist it and pervert it 
in the heart of a person that doesn't know Christ and cause you to believe that there is no hell, that God is love, and everybody goes to heaven, so it really doesn't matter how we live our lives. And Darrell lived his life as an alcoholic womanizer who was a good carpet layer. And to my knowledge, he never came to know who Jesus was. To my knowledge. The reality is, is the Bible without Jesus is a book that doesn't make sense. But the Bible with Jesus is a book that begins to speak and bring life to you. Now let me give you another scripture. It's not, not on the screen. It's John chapter 3. Verses 3 through 7, the Bible says this, Jesus is speaking to a guy named Nicodemus and he says, and Jesus replied to Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. When I meet a Christian that tells me they don't understand the Bible and they can't understand the Bible and they can't read the Bible because it doesn't make any sense, I always ask that Christian, tell me about your salvation experience. When did you get born again? And what I found out many times is those people that confess they know Christ but cannot understand the Bible at all. And again, I don't understand it all. I'm not saying that. But I understand some of it, and you know what? You do too. Some of it's pretty simple. I tell everybody, read John and Proverbs. John and Proverbs will give you some pretty practical wisdom from God's Word to understand. But I usually ask people, well, tell me about your salvation experience. When did you get born again? And what I find out many times is those people really cannot trace their life back to a genuine time when their heart and their life was radically forever changed, when they were born again by the Spirit of God. And many times they made an intellectual decision to follow Christ, or many times they were raised in church and so it was just the normal thing to do, right? That's what my parents did, that's what my grandparents did, and this is what we're supposed to do. So I did what they did and they told me to do it and it was the right thing to do it. And I believe it was the right thing to do it. But in reality, they never had a spiritual encounter with God where their heart was changed. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God and you can't enter the kingdom of God. There is a revelation that only comes through being spiritually born again, through accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you've never experienced that today, before we close the service in just a few minutes, you're going to have an opportunity to do that because there's nothing worse than standing on the outside looking in, seeing God work in people's lives and not experiencing it for yourself when Jesus died so that whosoever will can come and know Him. And I don't care if you've been in church your whole life, if you cannot point yourself back to a day in your life when your heart was really changed and you knew it, then maybe today needs to be that day. I was 15 years old. I can't tell you the exact date, but I was 15 years old. It was a Sunday night at Pleasant Grove Baptist Church where the Cordy Gardner was preaching, and I was sitting on the side on the wing of the little church, and he was preaching, and I remember sitting there holding on to a pew thing, and he's talking to me, he's talking to me, he's talking to me, and then I remember thinking, I wish he'd shut up, I'm ready to get saved. I wish he'd shut up, I'm ready to get saved. Maybe somebody's thinking that right now. 
He finally shut up. He gave an altar call. I got saved. I went home and told my sister who's sitting right over there. I said, I can't wait to go to school tomorrow. She said, why? I said, I'm going to tell all my friends what Jesus did for me. Now, again, I didn't become some 15-year-old on fire radical Jesus lover. I wish I would have become that then, but I didn't. But I know without a shadow of a doubt, I'm 45 years old. I know 30 years ago I was born again. And you can talk me out of a lot of things, but that's one thing you can't talk me out of because my heart was forever changed. Amen? Let me give you one last thing, and we're going to get ready to pray together. Last point on your outline. First, we have to receive Jesus, the living word. And second, we have to receive the written word, the Bible. We have to receive the Bible, the written word of God. And we have to make room in our hearts and our lives for the word of God. We have to make room. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some real practical ways about how we can make room in our hearts and our lives for God's word, for God to speak. Why? Because one word from God changes everything. 1 Samuel chapter 3, I want to read it to you. And we're going to close with this scripture. 1 Samuel chapter 3, I believe we got it there. Should be the next verse there, Tanya. Maybe not. You don't have it, I got it. Let me read it. 1 Samuel 3. It says, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. And now in those days, the message from the Lord was very rare and visions were quite uncommon. Verse 2 says, And one night Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed, and the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. And suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, What is it? And he got up and he ran to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? No, I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Verse 6 says, And the Lord called out again, Samuel. And Samuel got up went to Eli. He said, Here I am, did you call me? And he said, I didn't call you, my son. Go back to bed. And verse 7 says this, So Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. Samuel didn't know God because he had never received a word from God. I want to say to you today, even as a Christian, there is a knowing, there is an intimacy with God that you will never experience until you begin to hear His word on a regular basis. God wants to speak in your life. Every day is not a Moses day. Every day is not a burning bush experience. But I am convinced of this, every day God speaks if we will listen. So look at the rest of this. 1 Samuel 3 verse 8. So the Lord called a third time once more to Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? And then Eli realized that it was the Lord who was calling to the boy. And he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came and called us before Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, Speak, for your servant is listening. And then the Lord said to Samuel, I am about to do a shocking thing in Israel. Speak, Lord, for your servant listens. We're going to talk about over the next few weeks how do we create a place where we can hear the voice of God. Because one word from God 
changes everything.